Now more than ever, it's important for you and your family to enjoy the spaces you're in most often. Visit fergusonshowrooms.com to shop online or schedule a personalized consultation to meet with our experts at your local Ferguson bath, kitchen, and lighting gallery. Together, we'll help you make the most of home and create a space you'll love to live in. Get started on your project and discover extraordinary products like the Quartz Lux Undermount Kitchen Sink from LK. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. Welcome into DC On Screen, your guide to the DC Universe on film and television. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This, my trusty co-host, Jason Goss. Hey there. This is your weekly DC TV news episode. It is episode 279. If it has been released, we're going to get super spoilery on it. And based on our judgment, sometimes even if it hasn't been officially released, maybe sometimes, especially kind of somewhat in this episode, maybe I'll mention something about it, so beware. <laughs> There's room for it. There's not necessarily room for conjecture, but room for a damn good bet. Is that um? Is that how it should be defined? No, no. We don't just no, straight up do um, conjecture. We don't straight up do conjecture. We we do sometimes. But, well, just to call it out, um, check out our news episode for. Look, man, something something came out today, and it's just everywhere, and I'm excited about it, and I want to talk about it, and it doesn't really. I don't feel like it's going to be like a major like storyline point, so I'm going to talk about All right. it. Um, but first, Kevin Conroy turned 61 this week. Um, and that was cool because I love Kevin Conroy. Yeah. He's the real Batman. Yeah, um, I want him to be about 161 before he's gone. I don't even want him. Like, I feel like we should do the Futurama thing and just have Batman's head in a jar. He could still talk. He's as probably, per the rules of Futurama. He's probably in there somewhere. There's so many heads in jars. Mm-hmm. Um, but sadly, uh, Van Williams of Green Hornet did pass away. Oh, he was 82. Um, this is a cat. He he worked for like a decade after the Green Hornet was canceled. This is like the old Bruce Lee show, the Green Hornet, yeah. that was in the Batman '66 universe. Mm-hmm. They had a crossover and everything got canceled. Um, but um, you know, he actually he he worked for another decade. Then he became a reserve sheriff's deputy and a volunteer firefighter in Los Angeles. Awesome, right? Yes, like I always looked like he like if we were casting right now, he would have been in Mad Men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, they should just introduce Green Hornet in Mad Men. Did Mad Men already end? Is that show I over now? I don't even so. know. I lost Damn track it. of it. I want to say eight seasons right. and they were out. Okay. But yeah, sad news. Um, a- a- but we'll go. That hmm? 80, what'd you say, 82? 81? Yeah, 82. Yeah, that's, that's about as far as I want to go. What? I don't I'm know. Good with it. Some days, some days I'm good now. Right. I'm done. I'm tired. <laughs> um, so Gotham, there's an article that popped up answering, trying to answer the question. This, uh, Aaron Richards talking about whether or not she, her character, Barbara on Gotham is going to become Harley Quinn. She says there have been conversations. I think something major would have to happen to Barbara for her to fully become Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn is kind of, 
she doesn't, to me, have the motivation that Babs has. Harley Quinn seems to like destruction for destruction's sake, and that's wonderful, but I feel like Barbara has more of a plan. She's a little bit more intellectual in her approach toward climbing the ladder and taking over the underworld. I actually agree. And I think it, yeah. And I think if she has to then morph into Harley Quinn, there would have to be something that happened that just sort of stripped away that kind of scheming side of her so that she would just become, I guess, unhinged in the world. That, to me, is what Harley Quinn represents, that madness and mayhem that comes along with the Joker, because, obviously, they're a team. I think Barbara had her moment of madness and mayhem early on in Season 2 after the Ogre, and then she went to Arkham, and she sort of lost herself a little bit, and she just wanted to be this dark being. And then, after she fell out of the church window and went to the coma and came back out and remembered her attachment to Jim as sort of a loving attachment and didn't really remember the murdering of her parents and that kind of stuff. So she's like another being now and i think that being not so close to the harley character even though she's still obviously a little crazy but she now has more of a ruthless nature to her listening to all of that as she said it i just oh my lord gotham you're such a soap opera (laughs) okay i freely admit it but tell me she isn't better after that coma than she was before she is better after that coma but and i actually like how she's describing it I, i think she has a pretty good handle on what I admitted, God help me, I admitted recently that I have liked where Barbara's going right now and may even be bordering mm-hmm. on liking her mm-hmm. as a character. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, based on that description, I think she's got a pretty good handle on the stuff that I'm actually enjoying. Right. And, I, you know, someone posted uh, that news article I saw, and they were like, they were like, I saw this coming. And I'm like, uh, did you read it? Because she's basically letting down the people who think she's going to be Harley Quinn. Letting her, letting her down easy, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. No, the, the titles are clickbait. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this one wasn't even particularly clickbait either. It was, but yeah. But John Stevens, executive producer on on Fox, he said uh, at some point uh, in the past, he said that a precursor for Harley Quinn would show up and that maybe we know her already. But this is a, it's a precursor to Harley Quinn. Yeah, they've talked about legacies being... kind of on Gotham before. Like maybe Jerome isn't yeah. the Joker, but he's where the idea comes from. Have you seen the pictures that have come out of him? No. It looks like he's wearing the Joker skin mask. Oh, God, that'd be great. Like the, yeah, the he, Snyder Capullo he, skin mask. A little bit like that, yeah. Like it looks like he has just like reams of, of flesh just kind of tearing apart and it's, it looks real weird man it looks real gross awesome <laughs> i might be scared in other contexts but um god uh, that that kid does such a good job with his character i would throw just about anything at him i don't know <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh moving on to the crossover uh the big dc tv cw crossover um we're gonna jump into ratings really quick Supergirl lots, brought in lots three, of ratings. Yes, the ratings were very good. They were very impressed with the ratings. Supergirl did three point five million, which was a one point one in the demographic, and that's the you know heavily desired eighteen to forty nine demographic. Right. Uh, three point five million, one point one in the demographic for Supergirl. Four point two million, one point five in the demo for the Flash. Uh, Arrow did three point five million, one point three in the demographic, and Legends of Tomorrow did three point three three million viewers. 1.1 rating in the 18 to 49 demo, which was the largest number of people to ever tune into Legends of Tomorrow. It was an 80% like a long boost shot. in viewership. 80% boost in viewership. Yeah, they've been they've been just not even quite on the bubble. We've speculated that they might might not make it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, geez, that's a lot. And depressingly enough, like I remember Supergirl getting like seven million, seven, seven or eight million or something. It was it was way up there, like more than twice this. I want to I mean, say on her premiere on CBS, but no, no, on her premiere on CBS, it was like something like twelve. God, it was huge, 12 right? Million, yeah. Um, this is an entirely different context, and in CW terms, these are great numbers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, especially to have been able to bring up legends to that number. Yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. What I'm confused by is the uh, based on what you said, the like 700,000 people that just watched the Flash. <laughs> yeah. What the hell, man? Well, you know, this is this is as far as I know, this is just normal ratings on television. Nielsen ratings. Yeah. We're not talking about cord cutters, uh, any of that. Yeah, we're not talking about cord cutters, CW app watchers, DVR, the plus seven DVRs, any of that. Right. Um, I think the numbers are higher on every on all those others. But yeah, the Flash is is balling, man. And yeah, that it's, was it's my favorite, so I can't say anything. Uh, wasn't that like the first or second highest number on the Flash? Something just, like that, just yeah. ever. Yeah, for a like show that. that already has pretty damn good ratings for their network. I honestly think like the Flash is just like that's the first one I want to watch every week. Like that's the one. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I know. I that's but there are nights where like all right, in our normal week we have uh, Gotham, Lucifer, Supergirl that air on Monday, and then we have like Flash, Arrow, and Legends. Uh, that, the rest of the yeah, and Aaron, which by the way will change uh, coming up again. We've already mm-hmm. talked about, but it really is like when I, I don't. I normally don't get to watch anything on Monday night because we record on Monday nights. So mm-hmm. it's like Tuesday when I get to sit down and watch stuff, and it's like a treat I give myself if I make it through all the other shows. Which Gotham can sometimes be a little bit of a push. Lucifer's and we freely admit is mostly a chore sometimes. Uh, just mostly a chore. I'm going to take out the sometimes. And Supergirl's a lot of fun. Like, that's the one that I really reward myself with. But, like, mm-hmm. if I make it through all the Monday night shows, I get to watch Flash. Like, that's where I, like, that. <laughs> that's where, like, the really happy part of my, my week starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Supergirl's, like, what it I is. use to, like, reward myself for getting through Gotham and Lucifer. Because, I don't know, they they can be work sometimes. Right, but um, Wait, when growing up, growing up, I liked main like uh, one of my or my two favorite types of shows were superhero shows, which were just basically cartoons back in those in those yeah. days, and stuff like Star Trek, Quantum Leap, Sliders, that kind of thing. Sci-fi, right? The Flash is a superhero show with multiverse and time travel. Yep. How am I not gonna want to watch that more than anything else? Yeah, like when I was growing up, um, Quantum Leap was in syndication heavily. On, I think, the mm-hmm. Sci-Fi Channel. And uh-huh. I think it came on at uh, 4 o'clock at one point on Sci-Fi. Which is not... <laughs> like you get, out of, you get out of school at like 3, and 4 o'clock is not a lot of time to get everything. I, I Seriously, I would get my homework done in time to watch Quantum Leap. Yeah. 4 o'clock for me was Batman the Animated Series, so there wasn't anything that was going to stop me from that. But uh, I remember Sci-Fi Channel playing Quantum Leap directly either before or after their reruns of Time Tracks. Oh, I don't remember and, Time Tracks. Oh, man, that was a Harv Bennett show. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember the guy's name. It was a cop from the future. A bunch of criminals went back in time into the 90s. They escaped to the 90s, and they sent Darian Lambert uh, back in time. He had a credit card that was really a secret hologram that where his like AI woman Selma would tell him, would give him information about the time frame and uh, like time aberrations or whatever. And he also had like what looked to be like a 90s car alarm, but it was really a phaser. <laughs> i think it only lasted like a season or two probably i love the hell out of that show that was my thursday night when it was in its original run 
Like I'd watch that on Thursday night, and then Briscoe County Junior on Friday nights. Oh, I, I anyway. never caught Briscoe. I was so de- I, I was sad about that. I have the whole DVD set. You should check it out, man. I <laughs> would like to borrow that sometime. I, I seriously, Friday night for me was like baseball practice. Mm. You and your damn sports always getting in the way. What I did getting in the way of quality programming. <laughs> I know. I know. Anyway, it was bothersome. So. There was a whole bunch of uh, of kerfuffle, and I kind of split it up a little bit here and there, but not really. Uh, there was Linda Carter was apparently supposed to be the president of Earth One. Um, she was going to be the vice president that winds up becoming the president when the male president gets killed right. early on in the crossover. Um, Mark Guggenheim said we did have Linda Carter coming in as president originally. In the first draft of the script, she was the vice president who becomes the president, and we got a note from the studio, which we think was pretty fair, which was that it was a bit too confusing. You get into the parallel Earths of it all, but she's not the president on our Earth, but the vice president. In the midst of time travel and aliens, it was just one sci-fi problem too much. Okay, they even said that in the episode, which makes it kind of great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray's cousin. Everyone, well, not everyone, there are people who, you know, have sense. But a lot of people online are wondering what this means about the, the line about Ray's cousin and how she looks like Supergirl. Uh, Guggen, Guggenheim says it was a total throwaway line. Basically, it's sort of like last year on Legends when we did the Prison Break reference. It was like, I said to the writers, if we don't make a Prison Break joke here with Wentworth, we're not going. We're not doing our jobs. So I was like... <laughs> I like that take on it. We have a duty yeah. to make this fourth wall have, joke. So I was like, if we have Brandon and Melissa share the screen and we don't make some sort of joke like that, we're not doing our job. Uh, the truth is that joke existed on Arrow originally, and then a certain scene got cut, so then it moved. we moved it over to Legends. I just kept moving it back and forth. I'm like, I'm getting it in one of these episodes. <laughs> nice. So uh, there were several things that got left on the cutting room floor of the crossover. Um they were going to do the thing where Roy in the hundredth episode of Arrow was with uh, Thea, and that wound up getting cut because they couldn't uh, they couldn't get Colton to come back because he was he had other engagements. He had a, another job, you know. Uh, yeah, other engagements. Let's say it the way I guess. But <laughs> um, the idea was that like Thea and Roy were still together, and they had still met the same way, him robbing her and whatnot. But they were happy and together. Um, I think I like it more this way. Yeah, it was okay either way. Her with the family thing. Um, that works just fine. Yeah. I actually, I in particular, I'm happier. I would have been pissed if they had, like Thea's gone through a, a transformation this season that I'm super happy mm-hmm. with, where she's not just part of some other guy's storyline. Like if her ultimate fantasy had been like to be with Roy again, I would have been kind of pissed. Right. Which you know, uh, Matt Carroll of the MCU cast was talking to me the other night, and he was watching the crossover, and he was like, you know what, it it kind of sucked that Ray was with Felicity in in the hundredth episode. Because I would have thought his happy place was with his fiance. With, uh, with his fiance, yeah. And I, I was agree. like, well, I disagree, and here's why. By the time, like, this is this is a fantasy world for all these people currently. Ray, as an Arrow, already said that when he was with his fiance, he didn't have a real purpose. All right, his fiance's death gave him a purpose, and he found his cat the catalyst for his purpose through Felicity. Okay, I'll accept that. So, uh, you know, but Felicity broke up with him for Oliver. So, um, in his, I guess, perfect fantasy or whatever, even though it wasn't his perfect fantasy, it was more about where, like, where, what they were doing in those, in those times, that that fake timeline, what they were doing there is indicative of where the characters, 
um, emotions were at the time because I wouldn't say Diggle was had exactly a happy place there. He was still atoning yeah. in that time. Like it, it was, <clears throat> so I like uh, that emotional idea first alone. aid. They call it is what they were playing, and the mm-hmm. idea was to salve them. You know. Mm-hmm. So still, I mean, though, I, you know, you can make an argument that his uh, his fiance was the catalyst. Like he changed how he lived his life after her, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right, though. Like, uh, Smoke was the one who really showed him something new. That, like, that that was where his life really started to change. Like, he had an idea of where he wanted to go, yeah. and then with her, he had, like, a, a, a specific purpose. And I just felt like after all the work of him getting over his wife, and that was, or his ex, or his fiance, whatever, and him dating Felicity in the show was him getting, finally getting past it. I think it would have been a regression of character to have him show up with her in that place. That's just my thought. Um, I mean, but you're right. Speedy could have, like, is, Thea is great alone. That one as well definitely would have been a regression. I think that would have been a regression if Roy was there. Yeah. I could make an argument for That's Ray just because he never got to. If, if it was just a matter of like he never got to say goodbye, like someone being taken away that quickly, mm-hmm. I could I could make an argument out of that. Yeah. But that would have cost me Felicity's little like trying to figure out what to do in the background scene, and I wouldn't I wouldn't sacrifice anything for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, Christberg was talking about some Alex and Sarah things that got cut. Um. <laughs> He says there was a little exchange between Sarah and Kara uh, that I really liked. I don't think we even filmed it where Sarah says, hey, do you want to get a drink when all this is over? And Kara says, I think you want to meet my sister. <laughs> Just the idea of starting the, the Sarah Alex shippers going is those little moments that wound up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I'm glad they left that on the floor. <laughs> I don't need that. I'd, I, that would have been fine. It's, that's fine. I, we, know, we know there's nothing... I, if Alex was available in this universe, she'd have been here by now. Mm-hmm. And there was a uh, there was a bit where HR was was in the crossover a little more. That would have been good. And um, yeah, he said there was a funny scene between Speedy and HR where she says, "So what are you doing here? What value do you bring?" And he's like, "Well, I'm writing a book." And she's like, "Oh, that'll be a big help," <laughs> and walks away. <laughs> yeah. There was also a big mention of an alien conspiracy cover up. Where the character glasses, we call him glasses because we're so original. He is basically... HRG? <laughs> is anyone? He ba- yeah. Is he basically says, cover up what? A dozen, you know, wealthy satellite, uh, weather satellites falling out, you know, falling out of... Because people see the ships, but no one ever really saw the Dominators. Mm. I'm kind of, I'm glad that wasn't in there. Mm-hmm. That would have been dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a Supergirl moment of the Wave Rider. He says that he really wanted to get in there, but he didn't get to. He says, I'm not going to say what it is because we may do it next year. <laughs> All right. I would balk at that more, but they end up actually getting to do a lot of what they say we're going to try that next year. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Uh, Mixie Spitalik is, uh, or Mixie, Mixia Spitalik. Mixia Spitalik. <laughs> I can't Spitlick. say the name. Mi- Mixia Spitalik. Mixia Spitalik. I think is how you say it. Well, Mark Wade actually said it's Mixia Spitalik. Oh, all right. So, I Take out that. generally yeah. defer to either I... Paul Dini or Mark Wade. I... So, you're 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 having trouble now. You know, I, uh... We can't pronounce uh, things anyway, and something with no vowels in it? Come on. Fuck that. What are we gonna do? (laughs) Sometimes Y is a vowel. (laughs) It's... We can't even count on Y, and we know it. I know. So, uh, he's gonna be on Supergirl anyway. Great. Uh, 
if you, you guys don't know what the hell we're talking about, he's an imp from the an imp bleh, from the fifth dimension. Uh, he's got fourth wall breaking capabilities, a lot like Batmite. He's from the same place Batmite is. Right. And um, he uh, often can't. He often won't disappear unless you get trick him into saying his name backwards. Gilbert Godfrey did him on ba- uh, sorry Superman the Animated Series. Uh, Paul Rubens did him on uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold. Fun character sometimes, awful character other times. I think they, what was it, like a Russian guy on, on Smallville? It was Howie Mandel and Lois and Clark, I think. It was just a, <laughs> a, a weird Russian guy on Smallville, yeah. So, yeah. That could make things happen. Oh, you know who else is probably coming? DC All Access released a video on Friday, and... Uh, the video is detailing their top 10 Legion of superhero stories. And what they said was it, it was now that mon is appearing on Supergirl, the Legion of superheroes can't be far behind. So here's our top 10 Legion of superhero stories. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if that counts as an official announcement, but I mean, I was willing to count that ring in the sor- uh, sorceress of solitude. Fortress of Solitude. Yay, spinnerisms. The ring, the the ring was more official than anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, damn, we've been waiting for the follow up to that for a while. Maybe they're just jumping the gun with the rest of us. Like, oh my god. Yeah, maybe we've been waiting for it. Here it is. Yeah. So, uh, Kreisberg, Andrew Kreisberg, is saying that the revelation of Iris's name not being on that future newspaper is going to bring further complications. Everyone's kind of freaking out, thinking it means she's going to die. And that's going to cause Barry to go back in time again, um, which I fully believe at this point. I fully believe he's going to go back at least one more time. Yep. Um, see, uh, they talked a little bit about the, uh, Christbrook's talking a little bit about the HR uh, partnership with Wally. He says that partnership will not go well. Oh. Um, he says HR is a genius in his own way. He's not a mathematical genius and he's not a physics, ge- a physics genius the way the other Wells's were. Uh, he has the capacity to see other people's talent and how to mine it and how to grow it. He sees that in Wally. Like he says in an upcoming episode, there's nothing in it for him to help Wally, but he sees that Wally is special and that's where he can shine in helping other people discover their own value and develop their own gifts. Um, in all fairness, HR's ability to see things uh, with Joe uh, amounted to him just kind of, you know, instigating him to almost blow himself up mm-hmm. by taking a damn saw to a cocoon. <laughs> that sounds really silly when you say it like that. It's kind of what happened. Like, everyone uh, Christ- there would have died if Barry hadn't popped in and gone, oh my god. Yeah. Kreisberg uh, also talks about how they're going to, uh, the HR and Wally relationship will develop, uh, an interesting relationship that parallels the past mentor mentee duos Wells with Barry in season one, a different version of Wells with Cisco in season two. And then this year it's Wally who gets this version of Wells that on the face of it may not be the greatest teacher. And yet every episode we find that moment for him to drop this wisdom bomb on everybody else that shocks them. Sounds like fun. Yeah, Yeah. it does. I, I love that. They've kind of kept that, that face doing kind of the same thing the whole time while they've (laughs) done it a few different ways now. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> so I guess at some point he's gonna drop a little too much or too little wisdom and fuck things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, new images from I would assume episode nine, the present of the Flash, have uh have dropped online. Most of them involving Mark Hamill as what looks like the Jokester. Um, so excellent. There's that. Uh, it's him Just and John excellent. Wesley Ship. So here's here's a bit that I'm gonna talk about real quick. Uh, a couple of things. 
And these are set pick photos. And if you don't want to hear this, skip forward a little bit. But um, wait, hold <laughs> on. Should we give them the timing? Should we put you on the clock like we do? If you want. How long wait, do you need? It's not gonna. It's not gonna matter. It's not gonna matter because of truncation. Mm, good point. His. Set I'll tell you, we'll tell them afterward how much time they should have skipped. Mm-hmm. That'll be perfect. That'll work. All right, just just skip just skip forward about a minute, guys. All right. But um, there is there are there are pictures from a set in Toronto, and there's they're filming, and there's a guy that's dressed up like the Accelerated Man from Earth 19 in the comics, like exactly like the Accelerated Man. <laughs> so we're getting the ninth speedster <laughs> on the show thus far. Uh, I mean, he's got the goggles, he's got the bandages, the scarf, the whole thing freaking accelerated man and then there was another bit that we might actually get to see grod versus savitar oh, we saw like a mocap thing and oh, there, were, there were multiple Jesus. speedsters there i don't know what that means exactly but you know that's what someone thought they heard in the crowd when they mentioned it don't care the idea of grod shooting. versus savitar is um <laughs> where the fuck do i sign but we're talking about like there was like kid flash proper wally with Barry and Jesse Quick, some lady that was costumed in something that I can't, I don't know what that is exactly, mm-hmm. and vibe in costume on the same set with the Grodd and Savitar bit. God damn. Okay. Yeah. So let's do that. Mm-hmm. Again, no idea what that means for the timeline, what that means for the, pl- the, for the plot, whatever. It's been around a minute-ish, right? If people have come back and didn't actually like skip the head. Yeah, probably. Moving on to Arrow. <laughs> Stephen Amell says about the mid-season finale, um, I can tell you that Artemis plays a big, big role in our fall finale, which airs this Wednesday. I know sometimes I say this, but it's probably the episode I'm most proud of this year. He, um, he is right. He does say that every now does. and then. There was a question about where Artemis was in the crossover, uh, Mark Guggenheim, and we're about to get into a whole lot of Mark Guggenheim and what he's saying. And actually, I've got a, I've got a couple of examples of why we say he's a liar. The king but, of lies! Um, <laughs> what was the bit on angel with the old vampire that um <laughs> he didn't actually have a name his name was like father of lies or something i don't know <laughs> i don't know and like angel's like that's enough out of you father of lies or whatever i can't remember the actual name been way been too long but yeah i i, I love <laughs> guggenheim's work but damn it that guy lies to us a lot now yeah. Uh, so where Artemis was in the crossover, we mentioned it the other day. He says, it's funny, to be honest with you, in the break of 508, we talked about a lot about, do we have her in there? It felt like it was the elephant in the room if we didn't want it, and we didn't want it distracting. So we don't reference it in large part because I'm not a fan of, oh, it's too bad that Evelyn's mom is sick this week. I would prefer to just whistle past the graveyard. Yeah, and I dug that. I will say you will get a big payoff to 507's cliffhanger with respect to Evelyn big time in 509. Woo! He also goes on to talk about when Artemis, when exactly Artemis joined Prometheus. He says, rewatch episode 506. If you view the end of 506 and her final scenes with Oliver as, oh, she's lying. I think you see when she decided to team up with Prometheus. Basically in the commercial break between act five and six of 506, that's when she made the decision to join up with Prometheus. So while people were watching car commercials, that's what she was doing. Okay, so it, <clears throat> I, I'm i just going to... Is that like after Rory offered her schnapps? She basically says, screw this, I'm going to team up with Prometheus? <laughs> I don't actually remember where what the end of Act 5 and the beginning of Act 6 were. Neither so. do I. I'm, I'm 
just giving an estimate here, but that's that's not how like underage drinking specials are supposed to end. Mm. It's supposed to be no, I'm gonna go do something productive, not team up with Prometheus. <laughs> now that you mentioned, I think that's how all of those after school specials should have ended. <laughs> that would have been a lot more fun, yeah. So exciting news, and again, this might be a lie, but we TV you. Line put a. I, I'm not. I'm not talking about all of them. TV Line did a thing where he, they had Guggenheim talk about the 100. Look back on 100 episodes of Arrow. He talked about things on his to do list, and he talked about some of the things that he uh, regretted, and et cetera, et cetera. We're gonna talk about a couple of those things. This here though is on his to do list. I've made no secret of the fact I would love to do the question. Thank you. I forgive all that your char- lies. That character's kind of perfect for our show. Yes. Absolutely. Also this, on his dream casting, I'm a huge Jonathan Banks fan. This is the guy that was uh, Mike Ehrman Trout on uh, Breaking Bad uh, and Better Call Saul. So I would love to have him on the show. Absolutely. Please do Jonathan, bring Jonathan Banks in. That man is amazing. Yes. Um, also amazing on community. Yeah. He can do comedy like nobody's business. Don't don't believe otherwise. Damn straight. Um, <laughs> uh, I hate that they killed off Buzz. Anyway, and without even telling us, damn community. Um, <laughs> yeah, who could not afford him? It so is here's what it a is, contradiction. Man. Here's a contradiction, I think. Um, Guggenheim on Elicity. They asked if Guggenheim had known how well the Oliver-Felicity relationship would play, would he have leaned into it sooner or hold it for later? He says, that's a great question. I get a lot of shit online for reasons, but the way it played out for us was very organic. Like any showrunners, we react to the dailies, and we started seeing these two actors have chemistry. So no, I wouldn't do anything different. However, with Entertainment Weekly... This week, he also said, I'd say probably my biggest regret is I wish we had allowed the Oliver Felicity storyline in season four to unfold at a more natural pace. We had set these tent poles at the beginning of the season, and we were a bit too rigorous on how we hit them. That was a case where the planning overtook the storytelling. We didn't do things as naturally and as elegantly as we should have. Is it possible that he could mean both? I hate to defend him, because I do Maybe. love calling him a liar, but... like. <laughs> Maybe he's talking about like the time before we started seeing these two interact and thought maybe there's something to that. And then after the there's something to that stage, like set the tent poles up and kind of rushed into the like, we should take advantage of this chemistry and just didn't think it through well enough. Yeah, maybe it just it sounds very contradictory. It does. Um, I like if if he gave me the correct timestamps, though, for both of those uh, intuitions, I I would I would be uh willing to forgive him. No. Not for Coast uh, City, see, though, you fucker. <laughs> on what Guggenheim wished people appreciated more about the show, he says, I'll be honest, so much of the buzz about this show is given to us by the shippers. I love their passion, but at the same time, there's a lot of times where I'll be like, can't people watch the show just to be entertained? Well, I mean, you know, not, not to say about this season, man, but I mean, last season, and we just wanted to be entertaining. Yes, if it's entertaining. But anyway, he continues. Dark was I entertaining. Mean, just, I was happy most yeah. of the time. Most of the time. Then there was that end bit. He, yeah, yeah, you're right. He, he continues, I mean, does the rooting for one particular relationship over another have to be the be-all and end-all of someone's enjoyment? We don't really write for the shippers. We don't write for a particular segment of the fandom. We really are just trying to do the best episodes we possibly can, and sometimes we succeed and sometimes we fail. But at the end of the day, the goal is always to be entertaining, which is fine. No, and in, in correct. I mean, segment is basically another word for fraction. You can't, 
you can't like operate that way. You have to write what you think is right and hope that enough mm-hmm. of those segments find something they can relate to that keeps him engaged in the show. Mm-hmm. He also says, uh, he talks about, he's talking about just uh, the show in general. He says, we never skimped on the writing, the production, or in the post-process going, this is going to be one of those stinkers. We might as well cut our losses and move on. We worked as hard as we possibly can on the scripts. If episodes have come in bad, we reshoot. We're going to pick up a scene for episode 510, not because the scene didn't turn out well, but because there was just one moment that wasn't landing the way it needed to uh, to land to pay off another moment. Even in season 5, we have no problems with doing reshoots or pickups or anything we need to do to make each episode as successful as it possibly can be. Um, since he does harbor some regrets, he says, The truth is, I don't think I've ever been involved with an hour of television on any show where there hasn't been something I would... Uh, where, bleh. <laughs> sorry. The You'll get there. Is, I don't think, uh, I know. I, the, tr- the truth is, I think there, I don't think I've ever been involved with an hour of television on any show where there hasn't been something I wanted to take back. Now, on TV line, he also, he did mention that one episode he would take back is 107, the episode that introduced Jessica DeGaulle as the Huntress, didn't work, like, at all. I don't want to imply that it is anything related to her or even that character, but the story just didn't gel well. There were still, we were still finding the show, experimenting with, let's try do, let's try doing an episode without flashbacks. I felt like bungling that introduction was a real missed opportunity for us. I don't remember it being bungled. We might have just been like so happy that we saw the Huntress that we didn't care. Yeah, I think I was still in. It was 107. I was in the still. I was like, this show is moving. I was in the honeymoon. Period. Yeah, no, seriously. We had. We watched that, like, episode 107. We watched within the first 24 hours of us watching the show. We, like, we were binge watching this thing. Mm hmm. So. Yeah. He says, doing 23 episodes a year, you're just constantly running. So nothing ever turns out exactly the way you want it to. In other words. My list of regrets is actually incredibly long. It's 100 episodes long. I'd say probably my biggest regret is I wish we had allowed the Oliver Felicity storyline to in season four to unfold at a more natural pace like I just read a few minutes ago. Sure. I just copied and pasted that and I didn't mean to do it there. But anyway. <laughs> it's still a fine point. It's a fine point. Uh, so here is some exciting news possibly. Episode 513 is called Spectre of the Gun. Now I don't think they're doing. I don't think they're doing a remake of the classic season three Star Trek episode. So everyone, calm down. Right. I know that's exactly what you were thinking. Obviously. But actually, you know what? Based on that, bums me out a little bit that I said that because now that I think about it, they actually do make a lot of Star it's Trek. It's got references. as good a chance as anything else. But they and it said could just Spectre. Yeah, they said Spectre. Um, to me, this could just mean that they they're doing something along the the lines of like thematically of that episode, Spectre of the Gun, which was a fine episode. It was weird, and they did a really good job with what little they had. Um, but more importantly, they've already uh, shown that they're willing to take on actors from Constantine, mm-hmm. and Corgan is on Constantine. He was a he lot was of interesting. I think I was more excited just like, whoa, when's the Spectre coming? Come on, Spectre. I know. Um, I know. Once you hear the name, you're looking for stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Christina Bricado has been cast as a recurring character on Legends of Tomorrow. She's the uh, she's the girl playing Lily Stein, uh, Martin's new Flashpoint, post-Flashpoint daughter. So, looks like we're going to be getting some of her. Cool. Here's something weird. Guggenheim has put up a uh, picture on Twitter of uh, Legends of Tomorrow episode 212, and it's called Camelot 3000. Okay. Do you know what that is? It's ringing a bell, but not loud enough. We're talking 82, man. It was a series, it was a 12-part series (laughs) that DC put out. King Arthur 
and his Knights of the Round Table are all reincarnated <laughs> in the year 3000. <laughs> the once and future king, huh? It's like a, a, a an overpopulated, uh, post-apocalyptic kind of world. And they have to like find each other and come together and defeat Morgan Le Fay again. Uh, of course, sir. Um, so apparently that's going to be a Legends of Tomorrow episode. That's not bad. I mean, the the Legends have already seen magic, so <laughs> that's fine. <clears throat> yeah. Speaking of magic, Jackson Stewart, uh, who used to be a writer on Supernatural, told Entertainment Weekly this week that they were actually considering doing a crossover with Smallville. It never happened. He said there was a lot of really cool ideas that came from, uh, that some of the writers had. They had an episode where they really wanted to do a Superman curse that was about every actor who plays Superman ending up getting killed. So they find out that Tom Welling from Smallville is next and they have to go save him. Oh, God. I thought that was one of the funniest ideas that I'd heard. Yes. <clears throat> I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure they, they nixed it because Christopher Reeves getting uh, paralyzed and... Um, George Reeve getting like committing suicide actually turning out to be some sort of demonic entity or a curse that was placed on all the Superman actors would probably not sit well with a lot of people. Yeah, I felt like that would have turned on him, but it's still a funny idea. It is a really funny idea. Yeah. <laughs> that's something like a Futurama could do or something, but not not an actual Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So uh apparently Justice League Action was originally going to be a, a Batman cartoon. Um the, the news article, and I couldn't find it anywhere else, the news article sourced uh, a producer, but it didn't say who the producer was, but they said originally we were supposed to be doing another Batman series, but me and Alan Burnett got together with the whole team, and then eventually a week later it was suggested we do a Justice League show instead. There was a gap between a new series and the last one, plus the new movie is coming out, so we got to go ahead and do a Justice League series. They, gov they gave us a list at first. That was based originally on the New 52 comics. The list of characters in there were what they wanted, and it was pretty much the ones everyone wants, plus some odd ones. We definitely got most of those in, plus a few that we thought of that would fit. So that, that's kind of fun. I'm actually pretty excited about Space Cabby. <laughs> yeah. Also, they threw, you know, like, everything in this thing. Oh, yeah. They pretty much just started, like, I feel like they just went and picked up Jeff Johns and opened his head and just started reaming out his brain. Yeah, dude, they just emptied started, the like, bag. using it like a big sponge. Yeah. Um, which, you know, Warner Brothers, not that this is DC, necessarily DC TV related, but Warner Brothers, guys, you know, the new trailer for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy just dropped. Mm hmm And it's got, like, the most views for like first day the most first day views for a trailer like ever of and i watched it like ever? Yeah. like 10 times and it's phenomenal yep um maybe we could do like a space cabbie type of thing <laughs> let's get like you know a space a space cabbie like guardians of the galaxy mixed with the transporter you, starring jason statham you just want to give james gunn space cabbie and see what happens i do i mean that's okay it's okay to do that and we can bring in Adam Strange. We can bring in, you know... Here's my caveat, though. I want Space Cabby to be played by Jim Carrey. <laughs> things have, uh... Yeah. Stranger things have been wished for. Okay. And at some point, I want him to have to pick up Lobo because Lobo's hog dies on him. Yeah. Why wouldn't it? Hmm. <laughs> no, like, the... the... Anyway. Yeah, he should be letting, like, ambush bug out of the cab when you first meet him. 
Like yeah. the first scene with him, Ambushbug gets out of the cab and like grabs Argyle on his way out of the cab. Uh huh. And then the movie ensues. Yeah, like we have Ambush Bug. He tells Space Cabby, you know, appreciate it. Get, throws him a tip. Looks up at the camera and goes, "Bye, guys." Right. And I'm imagining him in like a back seat <laughs> where he's got the sock literally buckled in just in case. Unbuckles, <laughs> yeah. grabs the sock, tips him, "Bye, guys," to the fourth wall and heads on his way. Yeah. And if it's this is if, we it's, should, if it's we played by things. Henry Winkler, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll be okay with that. Too. That's fine. Um. <laughs> So they've released a, what looks like a, a poster for Teen Titans, the Judas contract. It's just an image of Earth with a meteor field. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm happy because it means it's happening. It's closer to happening. <laughs> it's more real. So you want to know something kind of interesting? Of course. And exciting? I hope it's interesting, at least kind of, because we're talking about it. Anyway, uh, Warner Brothers Montreal might be making another Batman game. They put out a promotional recruitment video. And it showed some uh, work-in-progress footage for what looks like a big new open-world game. But in the footage, you can clearly see Batman. <laughs> and um, it's been pointed out that they were using a PS4 DualShock 4 controller. So it's probably not an old video that they were testing out. Mm-hmm. It's probably new footage. And then they deleted the footage. Yeah. They run these things through a lot of what I'm going to call testees. Mm-hmm. Lots of testes. Many of um, them are uh, going to leak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, that being said, uh, just because it makes it to like some random group of guys that play games and give you feedback does not mean you're getting anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would guess somebody's working on a new Batman game because it's Batman and all the others have been incredibly successful. Hugely money-making. But you wondered if they were going to try to start down that franchise and try something new. Eh, Why? could it made money just i mean batman vr has been huge like, just keep they, going I mean, with they it could, they can do some other stuff i mean we're not talking about rocksteady here this is montreal this these are the people that did arkham origins yeah but arkham origins is one of the glitchiest damn things i've ever played in my life so except apparently for arkham knight on on uh, pc <laughs> yeah that was historical mm-hmm. so anyway uh injustice gods among us is now compatible with xbox one so rejoice awesome and uh, that's all the news I got. Yeah, it feels like enough. Yeah. I have to admit, uh, Christopher White was the one that told me about the uh, injustice. He he called me up and he was like, dude, what? Oh, injustice, injustice. Okay, what about it? It's, co- it's backwards compatible for Xbox One now. Oh, badass. Yeah. I, I'm happy for everybody that's got an Xbox One and wants to play that, but I'm <laughs> super not happy that that's a thing we have to be excited about. Backwards compatibility on your own right? freaking, come on, man. That seems like a, a given. That should be should a given. Be. Right. That's that's an annoying thing for me. But I am super happy for everyone that's that's playing it that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that, you know, the thing that they should have always had, they finally have. Right. It's nice. Yeah. Like, we have Wally West now. Who? We, we have a Kid Flash now. We should have always had a Kid Flash now. Oh, Wally West. It sounded to me like you said Willie. I don't know who Willie is, but unless he, it, it, unless me, he can like, I don't... really run, I'm not interested in it. It totally, to me, sounded, and I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I have to look back on the recording. But to my ears, it totally sounded like we have a Willy Wisp now. I could have and said that. And I was that? like, what, what is Willy Wisp? And why don't I have it? Because it sounds like something that's delightful, but I don't know what it means. One of those child, like, he sounds like he would have been part of the Sandlot or something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was old Willy Wisp. 
playing shortstop. Greatest knuckleball I ever seen. Until Samson bit him, or Hercules, or whatever that stupid dog's name was. Oh, I can't remember. Darth Vader had. <laughs> Darth was it Vader Hercules? Had. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the name of that dog. I feel bad. I watched that movie a lot. Oh, well. I did too. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> I want to say it was Hercules, maybe. God, between Hercules and Samson, I can't. I, I can't. Should we just. I couldn't vote. I'll just. I'll just look it up. No, no. I, I say we bail on it entirely with no information. <laughs> Offer no conclusion to this sad little story. <laughs> it was Hercules. It was Hercules. Okay. All right. Otherwise, by the children known as the Beast. The Beast. That sounds right. I have one of those bastards that like lives in my neighborhood. He is an intimidating thing. Yeah. Seriously, it's a like a 170-pound dog. Big old thing. But is he really intimidating, Jason? Yes, yes. His owner takes him for walks, and like anytime someone comes out, he has to grab him with... His owner is pretty big, too, and you can like see him. It's like every sinew of the owner is, is holding in that dog from doing something. I don't know if that dog is would it? do anything, but he sure as hell wants to go say hi. That's terrifying. Anyway, I think we're going to wrap it up. It's definitely time. Definitely time. Guys, we've only got... What is it going to be? Five episodes coming this week? Three. <laughs> no! I'm talking uh, about, talking yeah. with both the, yeah, five. With, yeah. I know that seems like a light load. God help there's us. Such as like us. a light load. But <laughs> I'm sorry, they're just not airing a few shows this week. Um, but we will see you guys when we review the mid-season finales of The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. We are DC On Screen. You can find every episode at DCOnScreen.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Go subscribe to us. Give us the loving with the five-star written reviews, and you'll be entered into the contest to get a free trade paperback, Blu-ray, or DVD valued at $15 or less. One in ten will win. We've only got two more people. Just a two couple. Two more reviews before giveaway three is done. So uh, go do that. And uh, we're proud members of the Giant Size Team Up Network. It should be noted. GiantSizeTeamUp.com for all the amazing shows over there. Proud members of the Batman Podcast Network, which is kind of a different thing, but still awesome. And <laughs> we talk about that dude a lot. We do. Hey, Jet. What's up? Um, so <laughs> all of those things. Until next time, guys, keep some DC on your screen. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC.